Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have Teresa Laird. Teresa and I went to Mercier's together, um, have a lot of mutual friends. We were just talking before we got on here about how like we know each other, but we don't really know each other. But um, from what I do know about her, I definitely wanted to have her on because I think it'd be a good conversation. So, uh, Teresa, how you doing? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for doing this. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so um, you and I met, geez, I don't even, I mean, I literally just said to you, I didn't even realize you went to Mercyhurst, but we met yeah. at Mercyhurst. <laughs> we met at yeah. Mercyhurst. We've uh, kind of ran in the same circle, um, huh? party, to get, party together, gone to the same place. Um, so that's about that. So for people that don't know you, who is Teresa? What, do you, what are you really all about? What's your story? Yeah. So, okay. So cool. Um, there's, it's a complex little story, but so yeah, you and I, we, um, kind of touched down at Mercyhurst. I was there from 2012 to 2016. Um, prior to that, like, um, I had kind of a tumultuous life, but I always knew that like college would be like a super great escape for me. So, um, I actually ended up having like a child super young, stayed in my hometown. I'm born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, went to college there. Eventually I'll move out. Um, this isn't my my forever home, I don't think, but I'm content for right now. Um I you know, it's kind of crazy. Like if you ask me the question, who am I at 28 years old? It's still even really hard for me to say that. I think one of the hardest things is figuring out who you are and selling yourself and being able to give maybe not maybe not selling yourself but give a description of who you are and you know like if someone were to give it's crazy that I was actually thinking of this the other day my cousin had a 60th birthday party and it was like um it was a funeral and she was like I don't want you guys to come to my funeral and say all the things that you never said to me and celebrate the things that we never celebrated together like let's come together and like I want you to describe me to you or just yeah describe me to you and tell me like who I am to you, what I've done for you, all of those things. And so it kind of got my mind thinking like, who the heck is Teresa? Um, And so I don't know, I think for a really long time, I've defined myself by the things that I've accomplished. But I guess I more so want to be known just for being like a cool chick, someone who is super understanding, someone who like, valued like, what's right and wrong, um, things like that. But I don't know. At 28, I don't know if I, I don't know if I definitely have an answer for that. Like who is Teresa? What's she about? No, for sure. I think that's something that we all like, I don't want to say struggle with, but I think we're all trying to figure out on a day-to-day basis. That was mm-hmm. uh, kind of a loaded answer that you gave. So I want to yeah. pick it apart. I want to pick yeah, it apart in it. a couple different ways that I have conversations with my friends all the time around. Like obviously you want to be seen and viewed by the world by how you see and view yourself in your own head but mm-hmm. how much, because obviously, like, people's actions and people's words necessarily don't always match, how right. much um, how much of who you think you are is who you want to be versus who you actually are? Yeah, so I think um, there's, like, two distinctions that I make in my head, like, who... who is, like, who is Teresa based on what she makes people feel and how she um, makes people feel loved? I'm a big... I'm a big... Um, I, I don't know how to word this. I really value emotional intelligence. And so um, that's like one piece of me. That is who I am in my head. 
outwardly though, my accomplishments might say a different thing. Um, I've just kind of always put my head down and, and gotten things done because I had to that Teresa is, um, is different than the softer emotional, um, Teresa. And so just now, like even in the last year, so to start out 2022, I got in the biggest fight of my life with my best friend because she's like, you are just like, you're, you want to be a a certain person, but you act as if you're, so I want to be this like, um, emotionally understanding, um, very sensitive, like, uh, welcoming person and I think that I am that to a certain extent but I cut it off right and then it's like okay well you know we need to get things done or we need to accomplish this and there's like a place for emotions later and you know all of those things and so I found myself being like actually very mean and harsh and abrasive and you know I don't know if I can swear on this podcast but all my friends were like you're just a bitch like you have to you really have to get it together and and I don't know if it was because I was upset with certain things in my life or I was annoyed with the way that they were kind of acting but I guess to get to like the nuts and bolts of your question yeah my what I act like and what I want like what I act like on the exterior and who I am outwardly or inwardly are are two different things and I and I'm working to like mesh them into one you know No, absolutely. So going back to like what you said about that, where do you think, so how do I want to say this? Like, obviously we'll get into it in a second, but my mom had me super young. She had me at 17 Mm -hmm. and she pretty much basically what you said, like you had to, you had to keep your head down and just do things. You had to do it. You didn't have like the option of, Oh, can I take a day off? Can I not take a day off? Like I just got to get shit done and I got to be very like abrasive in that path and keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm almost like a lot of my friends in the same breath. Like I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other day because I get told, I don't know if this is like a surprise to you or if you can see it yourself, but I get told by a lot of people that I am very cocky, very arrogant. I'm kind of an asshole, but then like when they get to know me, it's the complete polar opposite. And that's the like um, impression and view I give off from like a, from afar but I yeah. totally understand why people have that, that viewpoint and point of view. Um, and I also understand like how sometimes like when my friends and I, like we're talking about things and when it comes to, you know, getting shit done or whatever, I have a kind of like uh, the mentality of like, y- your feelings don't matter. Nothing matters. Just getting it done. And like, like don't be soft about it kind of Mm -hmm. like what you were saying about how you want to be emotionally intelligent and have a lot of empathy but at the same time it's like yo like enough's enough cut the bullshit yeah the only reason I say that is because I think I have the best mom in the world but she also raised me in a way that was like make no excuses if you Mm want to be someone of high standard you have to hold yourself to a high standard at all times stop making excuses and the way that I look at it is that you know she's never been on welfare she's never had like any of those things and she essentially gave up her entire life just to make sure that I was always provided for and I was always able to have the most opportunities so Mm -hmm. I look at like that and I kind of look at it from the aspect of um almost like everyone's full of shit in a way and I know I'm not explaining this like the most eloquent way possible but I feel like you're Mm -hmm. getting what I'm getting to um is that kind of like how it is with you do you think that like because you had a kid so young and like you have to just do things you don't have that outlet of I can make an excuse whereas 
even though it's no fault of anyone else's, they don't have that, like, it's do or die time. So it's kind of like they're softer to a degree and they don't really get where they're com- you're coming from. So they immediately are just like, you're just a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. And so it's it's actually kind of a weird contradiction, though. If you ask any of my friends, it's like, who do I go to for advice? Who's going to be there for me? Even if you ask my son, like, um, you know, is is mom harsh? He'll be like, no, she's like the softest, squishiest lady ever. Like I can get over on her anytime I want. Like, it's crazy. But when it comes to serious things, yeah, it's more so like, I just, I have a hard time because there's never been a point in my life where I've been able to make an excuse. Um, And there's never been anyone who, like, so it even goes back to like, I mean, I don't know how far, like, into trauma you've ever gotten on your podcast. I'm not necessarily talking about trauma, but I am talking about like, it goes as far back as like childhood experiences. I wonder even with your mom, like if she had experiences that like hardened her, because I feel like, like women in general are just um, like innately, we want to be these caregivers and nurturing and things like that. But it's so easy to make us abrasive. And we like, we we fill those shoes so well because it's like, well, no one's cutting us any slack. I'm not going to cut anybody else any slack anymore. And that's like where you run into like that bitter woman or like, you know how you can find like little old ladies who are just like very hardened by life. They're nasty. They kind of don't put up with anything like those sorts of things. So I do feel like to a certain extent, um, yeah, it, it definitely has to do with like the cards I was dealt and no, Um, there was just never any time to like sit and feel bad for myself or to, you know, like wonder what's next. You just have to do what's next. You have to pick a path and go. And I think like, it's an interesting path that my life has taken. And, you know, I had like some, just some, like I said, a tumultuous childhood. My parents were drug addicts. It was super difficult. I had wonderful grandparents though, that stepped in and raised me, but still like lost them at an early age, kind of lost my dad, my dad like kind of always put the responsibility on me, like take care of your family, make sure your mom's good. My mom was like a raging addict. My little brother like is now kind of falling into those shoes. Now it's kind of like, and again, it's never been a situation of like, Oh, that's shitty. This is, this is awful. It's just like, no, no, no. This is just my life. Like either we're going to fix it or we're not like, it's like my mom always says like shit or get off the pot. You know what I mean? Like either do it or don't, but don't sit and complain about it. Um, And so yeah, I think, I think it's exactly what you're saying. And then having a child, it was almost like my childhood was like a prerequisite for having my own child young, because it didn't feel like I was doing anything extra. It's stuff that I had always done. I'd always taken care of like the people around me. And so it just kind of, it was like a funnel, you know what I mean? And that's why I say like at 28, I don't really know who I am now. It's not that I don't know. It's just like, it's, um, it's an interesting path to navigate because my life has really never been my own. Like I took care of my little brother when we were younger and then, you know, I had a child at 15, you know, and so uh, like, and I go to therapy, right? Like I am very self-aware. I like to be as, you know, as well-versed in this kind of stuff as I can be um, because I know my own shortcomings and things like that. I know how hard things have been and maybe how I haven't dealt with them in the past. And so Um, I don't even, I don't even know where I was going with that, but I, yeah, I, yes, to your question. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, the, the trauma thing is interesting to me because I don't know if it's, um, if it's a me thing or not. I was actually just having this conversation with another, uh, realtor 
the other uh, last week, um, I was at a networking event that one of the mortgage lenders we work with was hosting at a brewery and it was like a bunch of other realtors he does business with and stuff. And, um, one of them knows my mom because my mom does real estate law. And then obviously I do real estate as a realtor. And, mm-hmm. um, he was at, he was telling me that like, he was, you know, he didn't really know his dad and he, well, I take that back. He didn't have a relationship with his dad, even though he knew his dad. Whereas like with me, I don't know. I don't know my dad. I've never met him. Um, mm-hmm. I've only heard stories and stuff like that. Um, and he brought up the word trauma too. And Mm -hmm. I like was more so of like that, like, I don't understand maybe, I don't know. And it's like something I battle with on like a daily basis of like trying to understand trauma because I don't Mm -hmm. look at it as trauma. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm more so, I think that's like a fancy buzzword that's become popular nowadays, especially with like the rise of mental health, which mental health should be taken seriously and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I've always looked at it as like, life happening for you if that makes sense like yeah Yeah. that's a good way to look at it yeah and I think that like um I I I obviously like I know I'm gonna offend a lot of people saying this but I'm just being honest I'm not saying it in like a vindictive or like go fuck yourself way but I think like a lot of people like lean on mental health as an excuse versus actually taking action with it more so what I mean by that to further explain it is I feel like a lot of people because of how great we have it obviously living in America and how technology's made everything easier for us and like the information is accessible um and it's been you know easy I would say easier than ever to have outlets to go to for certain things uh-huh. I feel like the second someone has like a hardship or they have something that they struggle with they immediately like label it as like, oh, I'm like dealing with something and I can't like, I I, like, I can't deal with my responsibilities or I can't deal with what my job is or I need to get done because of how I feel emotionally without ever take, without ever taking to an effect that it's like, yo, you had a kid at 15, you didn't have time to process whatever you had to process, you had to provide. Just like how, like my mom was like, I didn't have time to fuck around. I had to get a job. I didn't have time to do four years in school. I I could only do two because I needed to make money to provide for you because your father was never around. So like when I think about things, I think about it now that I'm 28 myself, I think about it through that lens. And I think too, that I realized is that like, obviously from playing sports, like it's kind of like, again, a contradiction, like you get coaches that are very hard on you and put you through hell, but they're just like adversity builds character. You know, those who go through the toughest trials get the most light shined on them type of thing. And we Mm -hmm. all innately understand that. But then on the flip side, the second one of us get a broken nail, it's like the world's ending. So like, I'm always like fascinated because it's just like, where does that come in of like, yo, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you need to be taking action to address those things and not just be like, oh, woe is me. But I feel like when you are the, you do the woe is me and you don't buy into the woe is me, you're immediately labeled as like some like asshole dickhead. And it's like, you're not understanding the full picture of like why I'm saying that. Yeah. So I, um, so interestingly enough, the, the line of work that I got into, um, was drug and alcohol prevention. And a piece of what I do is I go into schools and I work with kids. And Mm -hmm. so, um, every day I'm around my kids. I love them. And we, we talk about trauma a lot. I actually hate the word trauma. I think it's a buzzword too, just like anxiety, just like depression. I think all of it is just super trendy right now. I'm on the same, um, wave as you with that. I, 
so a couple of for the last couple of years Erie um so Erie for those of you who don't know out there a lot of you are probably familiar with the city but Erie is very very rich in social services we receive some of the highest numbers of refugees in the nation we have some of the um the highest number of uh like systems where kids can go through. So like the OCY system, the foster care system, all of those things, we are just very rich in services here. Um, and so one of the things that Erie does a really good job with is uh, the health department works super, super hard to keep all of our social services in line and, and kind of uniform. So the last couple of years, they have worked hard to become a trauma-informed city. Only certain cities who, um, who work towards that get that certification so the last few years i've been going to these trauma summits trying to understand like how to better serve my kids because some of my kids are they just go through the crappiest stuff like just a couple nights ago one of my girls got kicked her mom kicked her out of her house and she's like homeless now she's like i'm gonna have to move to a different state with my dad like it's just you know like i deal with really crappy things with my kids and um one of the things that i have taken away from from the trauma conversation is that idea of like, woe is me. I hate a victim. I hate when anyone plays the victim. There's no time for that. That is one of the things that I am just hard and fast. We are, I don't buy into it. And so everything else I'll give you leeway. Like I'm very lenient on just about everything else. Like you're having a bad day. You need a snack and you need to step out of class. Fine. You want to talk to Miss Teresa in the hallway. I'm cool with it. Like whatever you guys need. But the victim, we're not going to play the victim because we have too many resources available for you to deal with your problems. So at 28, I deal with my problems. I go to therapy. I don't put that on anyone else now. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. um, there are so many crossroads where people actively choose not to address their own issues and not to work on themselves and better themselves. It's almost like it's almost like it's cool. And again, this might offend some people. It's almost like it's cool to sit in your misery and have something to complain about and something to talk about versus working on yourself. Right. And so I'm not saying that it's easy for everyone. And I'm not even saying that these services are available to everyone. I'm just saying from my perspective, this is something that I try to teach my kids. It's something I try to teach my son. It's something I, I actively am learning myself right now. When we talk about the trauma conversation or anything that's happened in your life, there are so many resources to help yourself. Like I have a friend who I'm currently like working through some troubles with her too. And it's like, it's been like five years and we've had the same conversation every six months for like five years. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, you just don't want to help yourself. I have that struggle with my mom. Sometimes I even have it like with my son. I'm like, dude, just like, you hate, he hates getting yelled at. I'm like, and I'm a yeller. Like that's the kind of mom I am. I'm just very loud. I'm like my father's daughter. I have a loud booming voice and I just like, I yell. And he's like, I hate getting yelled at. I hate when you yell at me. Well, how about like, let's fix the problem. And that's like, ultimately that's like my belief system for everything too. And I know we're all over the map here, but like my degree is in public health. It's in preventative health. And I have like, I took a bunch of psych and sociology courses and I love like human behavior and like, let's figure out how to prevent people from making mistakes or to even catch it mid mistake or mid frustration or mid trauma. Let's figure out how to get in there and fix those issues versus like, like I said, later in life, a little old lady who's 89 and she's bitter because, you know, she never fixed her issues or a 50 year old man who's bitter for whatever. Everyone can end up bitter about something. It's like, where can we interject and where can we fix those things? You know what I mean? Uh, so my little boy is 12, not to keep bringing it back to like all the mom stuff, but 
I struggle really, really, really hard disciplining him. I so badly just want him to be happy, have all the things that I didn't have. His dad is on the other end of the spectrum. He is like, you know, no, like we need to be a little tougher. You can't baby him, all of these things. So he broke his foot about like uh, two months ago and um, got himself into a little bit of trouble with an attitude. He's a very good football player. I, I don't say that because I'm a biased mom. He just, he, he, he just, just has he's in seventh grade and he has the size and the speed right now he might not come ninth grade we don't know but right now he is and he has a little bit of an attitude problem a little bit of an ego and I find myself giving him so many excuses well I had a sit down conversation with a coach the other day um, about you know uh, his first game back after he broke his foot he didn't get any playing time and I'm like um, you know what's going on And he just kind of, I have a really good working relationship with him. I wasn't being that annoying mom that was like, oh, my kid needs reps. You know, none of that. It was just like, hey, is something going on that I'm not understanding? Because like the skill is there and maybe I'm just, I'm missing something. And it ended up being a physical issue, right? Like Emery's foot was bothering him a little bit. But he did say um, outside of that, that his attitude had been kind of piss poor. He has a little bit of an entitlement thing. Um, has some other stuff going on. And so at that moment, I knew that I needed to discipline my child. And that was really freaking hard for me. But it's exactly what I'm saying. If I don't, or it's exactly what you're saying. If, if I don't discipline him right here, right now to think that he's not better than anyone else, no matter, I don't care if you're the next Tom Brady, like you, you cannot act like you're better than anyone else or that you're above the rules or that you deserve some sort of special treatment, right? I wasn't giving him the tools to make the choices and come to those conclusions that you kind of did, right? Like I was making it worse for him. I also see that like in my schools all the time. I mean, we have parents call in all the time about, you know, well, why did my kid get, you know, why didn't he get any participation points for today? Well, he didn't participate, ma'am. Well, he was in the classroom. Well, ma'am, I'm sorry. He didn't participate, you know, things like that. It's like, there are so many instances where, parents and loved ones are quick to come to a child's rescue or quick to come to somebody else's rescue. And I think that that's kind of what your friends were doing with you. They wanted to kind of save you and give you a reason to, you know, make you feel better. Right. But it was like, no, I I just messed up. And sometimes sitting in those feelings of like, dude, I, I, this is all on me. It, it brings you out on the other side, a better, stronger, like wiser person. Right. And those are all cliche words that that people throw around all the time. But I think that the only way to get to a point where it sounds like you and I are, it sounds like we have a very similar mindset. The only way to get to a point to get to that point is by going through those hardships and learning those hard lessons. I mean, dude, I did so many stupid things when I was a kid, obviously, like I got pregnant, you know, wouldn't change it for the world now. But you know, that is not something that I have a niece who's 15 right now. I'm like, you better not ever, you know, it's not something that I wish on I went to like, I was in like, uh, I call it kid jail, but I was in kid jail for a little while because I was just so bad. Like, I, I don't know. There's so many reasons that people can't accept their fate. It's like, you want to believe that you're the exception too, right? Like, why would they do that to me? Why wouldn't they just like, let me slide this one time? You know, there's so, I don't know. There's so many preconceived notions we have in our head about how we should be treated versus, no, like there is for every action, there's a reaction for every, you know, decision, there's a consequence. It's like, if then we learned that in like fourth grade, right? If this happens, then this will happen. Those if then statements I talk about all the time with my kids. It's like, every single thing you do has a consequence. There's a choice for everything. You know what I mean? No, exactly. 
why do you think people have such a hard time realizing that like being blunt and being honest, but at the same time being empathetic is actually the best thing you can do to a friend. Like I have um, one of my best friends. Um, anytime he comes to me for advice or like something's going on and I know he fucked up and caused it. I'm on him. I'm on his ass like no other. And he gets mad at me for it. And I'm just yeah. like, bro, you got to realize that like, I love you. I'm doing this for you. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick just to be a dick. I'm not trying to like, cause he's like, why are you piling on me right now? Like when I'm already down in the dumps, I'm like, because I'm just like, everyone is, uh, you know, pussyfoot in you and everyone's like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Like that gets you nowhere. That gets you mm-hmm. nowhere at all. So like, transitioning to the psychology when you know you're doing your things with your kids and stuff how do you have that fine line because it is a very like razor thin fine line of being hard so that they understand so that they can use that going forward and being a little like oh it's okay like where with you is that fine line um so i really like to let i'm really big on like um being realistic but I think it's so much in the delivery so if you you can you can say the same thing in a different tone and people will receive it differently in the in the nicer tone you know what I mean so I yeah so I always try to have like the the best delivery possible I could be saying the meanest thing but just have very good delivery um I so the approach that I take with my kids is we um and I guess I did this in my own head as an adult too. But I, so I walk through the situation, right. And I'm like, okay, well, from start to finish, like, where could we have made different choices? Um, and I kind of, I, I, I do this with my friends, I guess too. Like where in the scenario did it go bad? Where could we have made a different choice and where can we do it better next time? So I'm a big fan of, you can have your moment to feel bad for yourself. You can take a day, you can take an hour, you can go scream and cry. You can take a hot shower and sit in there and wallow. I don't care. Do whatever you need to do for a moment, but don't sit in it. You can't live in it and you can't stay there. Next time we just have to do it better, right? So I always try to, so one of the things that I was trained in is, uh, it's called root cause analysis. So my brain kind of just is like, it just goes to that immediately. It's like, okay, let's get to the root of the problem. So you hitting this girl in class is not the root of, is is not the actual issue. What is the issue, right? Like it stems back to a week prior when she called her poor because, you know, her mom walked in in, in holy sweatpants or something like that, right? <laughs> so that is the issue. Now we're talking about a different thing. We're talking about, are you embarrassed? Are you sad? Are you struggling at home? Those are the things that like, those are those pieces of the, like the, the trauma training that I was kind of referring to earlier where uh-huh. um, it is so it's, it's really great to watch a person have that light bulb moment where they're like, oh, I'm not actually an angry person. I'm just struggling with this piece. Right. And so mm-hmm. it can, it can come down to anything in life. Right. Like I, I like when people come up with their own solutions. I find that people are, have more buy-in when they have their own solution or they, they think they have their own solutions to the problem. Right. And I just help draw it out of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that that answers the, the original question that you have. I'm such a talker. And so I'm sorry if I go off on a little bit of a tangent, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. On no, that. that's good. That, that's good. I prefer to talk less when I'm doing this. So yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly fine. What the what led you what led you into wanting to do psychology? Um, one thing 
one thing before I hand it off to you that I'm always fascinated by is I am convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. Like there's not many, there, like there's not, I've yet to hear a good argument against it. I'm convinced that people, when they're going into, like obviously when they go to school, they have an idea in their head of what they want to be or what they want to do because uh-huh. they either are so focused on what the money is for that position or they are just like, I don't care what it is. I'm just doing it because I'm interested in it. And if I live how I live, it is what it is. So basically what I'm saying, and I said that kind of stupidly, is I'm convinced that people take on what they want to do as a major based on the potential money that they can make. And obviously money is important without actually really like dive, like having a firm understanding of like what the behind the scenes and day to day are like and being attracted to that versus the monetary value of it. So like, was that something with you or like what led you to getting into psychology in the psychology field? Yeah. So my, my, when I was a little girl, before I had my son, my dream was to go play soccer at Penn state. And I wanted to be a teacher. Like that was my dream for years and years and years. And I was, I was telling everybody about it. Then I saw what teachers make. And I was like, I'm not going to be a teacher because exactly. It's exactly what you're saying. Like I am not, um, not into that salary. So, um, I, I knew I loved people. I knew like um, I needed to do some investigating. I will say Mercyhurst does a great job of connecting you with the right people and and um, connecting you with the people that that could help get you solutions to your problems, right? My problem was I have no idea what I want to do. I do think that the idea of college at 18 and telling kids to figure out, you know, the rest of their lives at 18 years old is absolutely insane. Um there are very few people that I know now who are actually doing something with their degree. Uh, but I don't think colleges, I noticed I was cracking up actually. One of the questions that you kind of prompted in, in our email exchange was like, do you think college is a scam? I don't know that it's a scam. <laughs> I think it's meant for people who know themselves so well, like the teachers of the world, the lawyers of the world, the doctors of the world, and they are happy and they are content with that. But there are so many other people who, like me, I, I knew I loved people, but I knew I wanted to make money and I needed to like find a crossroads there. So public health and like psych and business was kind of where I was, um, where I was headed. I ended up finding a, an, uh, like the, the dean of my department was amazing. I came in in the year that the public health department was like established and I just, I knew that it was for me, but I knew I needed to find a route that was my own. So um, I was I saying oh how did I kind of get into it I kind of um it kind of falls into your lap when you're super passionate about something and you I wouldn't even say super passionate actually when you're really interested in something and um you're willing to hear the pros and cons experience whatever that might be Mm -hmm. opportunities will fall into your lap right so I um I had a lot of knowledge in addiction and psychology and Um, all of those kinds of things. So there's this idea in public health called social epidemiology. And it's this concept that like, people are sick, not because of actual health issues, they're sick because of social determinants of health. So for example, do you uh, like, you, like you can take Flint, Michigan, for an example, everyone is very familiar with Flint, Michigan. There are people who are chronically unhealthy up there because of their drinking water or, um, if you look at low income communities, why are those people's health outcomes much worse compared to 
you know, uh, like maybe a subdivision of doctors, right? Like there are other reasons that people are unhealthy and there are other reasons or there are other places where we could be putting our efforts to make our, for lack of a better term, our nation better or healthier, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of got into that. I found myself being super, super passionate about that. And I still love like the, the person to person component that I could get. So I had a connection with um, a drug and alcohol agency here um, just because, you know, again, when you're interested in something, you go poking around, you might inquire about something, you might sign up for a newsletter here, you might make a connection there. Um, I was really big into like cocktail hours and uh, like young Erie professionals and all of these, all of these things, because I knew for me, I wasn't going to go into college and say, oh, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, right? Those very traditional routes. I was like, I need to talk to somebody who can tell me this is where you need to be. This is the route that you need to take. A lot of people aren't willing to do that, to go that little bit of an extra mile to, you know, after a long day, now I got to get dressed, put my makeup on. I got to do my hair. I got to wear some heels and go to a cocktail hour, right? Like, um, so it just so happened that I got an internship with one of the companies that I had networked with and, um, or had a connection with, I'm sorry. And graduated college. I still had no idea, like really what I wanted to do. I, um, I really loved, um, like more, like, like I loved a more businessy route, but I am a big fan of, this is just like a personal thing. I'm a really big, big, big fan of Barack Obama. And I love his work as, um, he started in basically the same way that I started, uh, like a boots on the round ground community networking, community engagement type person. And, um, he gave this speech one time talking about how those are the people who make the biggest impact in the world. And so I was like, you know what, let's just go like full steam ahead and try and get one of these like community jobs. And so I like literally two weeks later, I ended up running into my old um, internship supervisor. And she's like, we'd love to have you back. Like we were surprised that you didn't ask for a job. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. And I contacted um, then her boss who was like, oh, we'd love to have you back. And I've been there ever since. So like seven years. Um, and this isn't my my forever job, I don't think. I think this has given me great experience and, and um, some really good insight into the world, right? Like I work from the county to the city and I cover just about every school in between and every agency in between. But um, again, this isn't my forever job. Like I'm in, I'm in a master's program at Penn state right now. I'm getting my business degree. I think that I started to value other things in my life. Um, Like, like this goes back to the beginning of the conversation, like really realizing who I am. I still value those things that I valued in college and I, I love the work that I do, but it's okay and my friends struggle with this all the time. I feel like I'm reinventing myself right now. Like it's, you're going to have, like people don't realize the days of getting a job and working that job for 50, 60, 70 years, like our grandparents, those days are long gone. Like you're going to have to reinvent yourself a hundred times over by the time you're 75 done and done working. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I stand on it. That's kind of how I got into what I got into. And, and I think it's, everyone always kind of cracks up there. Like um, people who go into psych are, typically messed up, right? It's like the messed up trying to fix somebody else who's messed up or whatever. And so I'm in drug and alcohol prevention. And they're like, how did you end up here? They were like, your whole life revolved around addiction. And like, now you're like, you never got out of it. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. And I, it's, it's even interesting. A lot of the people on your podcast are sports people. It's like, you were always in sports in your life and you love to talk about that. And now you still haven't really escaped that. You know what I mean? Like we just subconsciously almost do it. It's always integrated into our lives. 
Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is too, is like, I love like, obviously from like working as a realtor and then like trying to build this into, um, you know, what the vision I have for it is, which like when we finish and I call you afterwards, I'll give you a little bit more in detail. I didn't give you too much via text, but it's more yeah. so of like, I like what you're exactly saying is like, I look at business as like the fifth major sport. And the thing that like I heard Mark Cuban say on the Nelk Boys podcast is that when you're playing a sport, you're really only training, you're training and playing six months. I mean, obviously you're training year round. I mean, you have some like off days and off months and stuff like, but for the most part, like if you're playing at a high level, you're training year round and you're really only on and in the trenches per se six months of the year. Whereas mm -hmm. business and, and like with sports, you have like a league or you have a conference and you know who your competition is. You know, like the limits of the competition. It's not like Mercier's is going to go play Duke or UNC. So you have an idea of what you're up against and what you're facing. Whereas with business, you're it's 24 seven, it's nonstop, it's 365. And you're not just competing against like your local community, you're competing against depending on how big you want to go, you're competing against like the world. So like, I actually had a conversation with a buddy of mine, um, that's helping me build this uh, this morning. And I was saying that it's like the vision that I have for it. And like the, the like the reach I want this to go, I have to look at it as if it's like war, not in the sense of like, I need to tear other people down, but I got to be calculated and strategic and how I make moves and stuff like that. Whereas if I say I only wanted this to be like a local Buffalo or a local, I don't got to treat it that way. So it's more mm -hmm. so of like, it comes back to what you were saying about the sport. It's like, okay, if you want to go play soccer at Penn state, you got to do exceptional things because you only really are getting recruited to play soccer at Penn state. If you're an exceptional player, whereas if yeah. you're just like, Oh, I want to go to the local community college, uh, do my time there, be, do become a psychologist. Like not that you don't have to do great things, but you, the level of expectation and the level of preparation and everything that you get from a sport, I think prepares you in the workplace and field. So that's why like, you know, I have so many sports people on because that's all I've known my entire life. So my network in that avenue is very big. And, it, mm -hmm. and it's funny because most people that I've played sports with or know through sports are in business themselves. And when I kind of have that conversation with them, whether it's on the pod or not the pod, they say the same thing. They're just like, wow, like playing, playing here made me realize like, okay, like, you know, you watch film on your opponent every week, you study their tendencies, we're gonna, it's not like, say, if you're playing soccer, like I am the best corner kicker. It's like, oh, I got I can't just rely on my talent of being a corner kicker and getting in that every time I got to really study like, how is say Michigan, how is Michigan defending that corner kick? What are the pockets that I can expose and like mm -hmm. business is kind of like the same way. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to ask, I don't think it's too personal, but if, um, if you don't want me to, I, I, I'll cut it out, of course. But mm. I heard a story um, about how there are these two brothers. It's like a really well-known story. I don't know if it's just a tale or if it's like legit, but there's these two, these two brothers. Both the parents are drug addicts, right? Um, mm. One brother becomes super successful and never touches drugs. The other brother becomes a drug addict, too. So yeah. it's kind of like, was that like with you, like, how come you didn't become like that? That's not like what I'm asking, but I'm asking like, what with you was that like, that moment where you're just like, nah, I want better for myself versus thinking back to the victim mentality of like, oh, this is my life. This is what I'm going to become. 
Yeah. Um, so I've tried to analyze that a thousand times over and it's such a loaded question. I think, uh, so it's, it's actually so funny that you say that because the other day I had a girlfriend over and she said, you could literally do a study on you and your brother. You ended up on one end of the spectrum. Your brother ended up on the other. I had a really tough year with my brother last year. And so all of these conversations about, oh my gosh, how did he end up this way? Or, you know, um, you know, you're doing so well for yourself, Teresa. I'm really not doing that well. I'm just a normal, I, I just decided to be normal. You know what I mean? Like I just chose to be a regular person. Um, so how did I end up this way? I think it was a little bit, the responsibility was on my shoulders, not his. So there was never an opportunity really for me to fail. And then I immediately had my son and I don't, I literally never had a moment where I could be like, oh, I just have to, like, I want to throw on in the towel today. I can't, I can't do this. I don't like, even, I don't feel like cooking dinner today. Nope. We don't have that option. Like, you know, Emery's hungry. So it's like, there were so many moments in my life where the average person would have been like, Oh, fuck this. I'm not, I don't want to be a part of this, but I just didn't really have a choice. Like my little brother needed to get to school and we needed to get to bed on time. And so I needed to make sure that was taken care of, or, you know, my son now needs me to do this or to do that. And it's like, like there are days where I'm exhausted and, you know, we, we do football, we play basketball, then we do travel basketball. And now this year he's going to be in track. And it's like, there are days where I just want to be like, I want to unenroll him in all of these things, but you know, I can't, but I will say um, that that's just be rambling back to the original question. Do I know how I ended up on one, one spectrum? I, I don't really know. I don't know. I, um, if, if I took some time to maybe dissect it with my lovely therapist, I'm sure she would have an answer for me, but I think that it came down to like a roles and a responsibility thing. I think if my brother was responsible for me, he might've ended up on the other end of the spectrum and I would have been where he is. Not that he, he's not an addict. He's not, um, he's not a bad person. He's just real immature in certain aspects. And so it is what it is. I, I think that's how that happened. What would be, what would you say, what would you say to me? Um, Cause I'm being hundred percent honest when I say this and <laughs> don't take it the wrong way. I mean, you more so might laugh if anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm like kind of, I don't want to say scared, but like, I'm kind of like, like very like put off to the idea of therapy only because, and I don't even want to say therapy. It's more so of just like going and talking to someone because I want to, really sit and try to like understand myself like via like meditating and all those other things versus and like doing that hard work of really trying to figure out like why or like okay this affected me this way why did I feel that what what is that triggering in me or something like that like you were talking about like the little boy hitting the girl or what that was and the reason I'm so like against going to therapy is I want to have a very strong foundation before I go and talk to someone and someone say, Hey, this is why, because I like for, I don't, I don't know why, but for the life of me, like I've had that before when I talk to people about certain things, they're like, Oh, well it's because you're this. And I'm like, I'm not though. Yeah. And, and then like, it's almost like, well, they have the degree, they know more than me. So whatever they say is like, that's the truth. And now like kind of going back to the, like when I was asking you is college a scam, I think about it like where I connect it and this may not even make any sense, but it does Mm -hmm. to me is when I was in school, I'd be like, why do I need to know this? What does this have to do with anything? 
And people would be like, well, you need it. You, you need it. It's important for life. And it's like, yeah, but can I get a reason why? And, it, and they would give, you know, some stupid ass reason. That's why I'm like, I think aside from giving kids the tools to understand how to critically think and think at a higher level, I think the economics and the business side of college, I think is a complete scam. So I look at it more so of just like, yeah, agreed. I, I can get over with that. Yeah. Like, I don't want someone just being like, well, you're this way because of this. And it's just like, like, I'm trying to think, like I had a friend the one time tell me he was just like, cause I'm very ambitious, but I'm also very, I'm very like petrified and scared to like say what like my ambitions are because I don't like, I don't want people to like look at me a certain way or think like I'm egotistical or I got like Kanye West syndrome or some shit like yeah. that. But it's more so of like, just am just like I had there's a part of me that thinks that like I was purposely I purposely grew up having no father and I was um the son like my mom had me a young age and she did all she did because it's my purpose to retire her and take care of her and like she gave me the world it's my job to give her the world and like from that stems this form of crazy ambition and crazy ideas and not knowing how to just like chill like it's always like go 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 what's next what's next what's next and I've had friends ask me does that come from not having you know a male role model in your life or having having validation as a kid like any of those things and is that why you know you kind of don't really care but you're also at the same time like soft and gentle with people and I'm Mm -hmm. like no I don't I don't think so but like I'm afraid that if I go and talk to say a therapist or I say xyz they're gonna be like you're this because of this and like I'm like you just wasted my time because I don't agree with you, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I totally get what you're saying. And it's really cool to know yourself. But it's also like, like, um, letting yourself be like, how do I want to word this? So you're struggling with the label and you're struggling with people telling you who you are. And I think that I think that the ambition thing is super cool, but understanding where that ambition came from is also super cool. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's nothing wrong with saying like, Hey, you had addict parents, like on my side, Hey, you had addict parents and that's why you don't want to become an addict. Yes. Hey, you, John, you didn't have, you know, a a male provider in your home. Now you want to be that for your mom because you watched her struggle for so long without a partner. That's, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. It's okay to understand like where we came from. If you don't want a diagnosis, if you don't want a title, if you don't want those things, a good therapist won't give you that a good therapist will like mine, you know, we, uh, we explore every avenue, like ones that are my fault, ones that aren't my fault, ones that could potentially arise in the future, ones that have happened in the past that mean nothing, but still might have some sort of connection. It's like, it's all just a big web. Everything is really connected. You know what I mean? And, and so I think maybe you just haven't talked to the right person, or maybe you're adverse because everyone's so quick to slap a label. Like we talked about at the beginning, it's like, everyone wants, everyone wants a label on something. And it's like, why can't we just have like an understanding of who we are right going forward? It's like, I don't even know how the quote goes, but it's like the best. No, I do know how the quote goes. It's like the best predictor of the future is, is the past. And it's like, well, it's kind of cool to know the past and it's cool to be like, okay, well, I don't want this to happen in the future or how do I make my future better? Or maybe I do want to replicate that. I think that that's what a good therapist does. A good therapist is like, you know, pointing out your shortcomings and and pointing out your your positive attributes and things like that and 
Um, maybe you just haven't found the right one. I don't know. I'm really into meditation. I'm really into... Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I'm into manifestation. I'm into the crystals. I'm into the universe. I'm really... I'm I'm into it all. Um, and I think that all of that has changed my life tremendously in the last year and a half. But at the root of all of that, it's just taking control of who you are. It's, it, it's not... It, a lot of people want to call it like hippy dippy or witchy or it's super trendy for girls to like pop out their zodiac chart and be like, this is who I am. <laughs> red well, flag. Yeah, red, red flag. flag. No, that's me. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think um, I think that there's a time and a place for all of that. But meditation at its core is just calming your mind so that you can understand a little bit better and, and get through your day a little bit better. And And manifestation is just building it's just building that mindset and building that energy around yourself so you can have what you want and that confidence I think that that's all of that's all those things are I think that that's what therapy is for a lot of people too for therapy or for or talk therapy for a lot of people is just is just getting it all out some people they can't do it in their heads alone you know what I mean it's it's just not for everybody no exactly um the other thing with manifestation, I know I asked you about that because I had a feeling you were on that, mm-hmm. is um, I think the part that people miss is that you have to actually, like, do the work. Like, yeah. You can't, just think, <laughs> you can't just think of, like, having a Lambo and then a Lambo is going to fucking appear. Like, you got you to gotta do the work. Now, because you are into psychology and stuff, and I know this is kind of dipping into the sports realm and the sports aspect of things, and mm-hmm. I've had – I've had this conversation so many times with like my grandpa, my uncles and stuff like that. And we are so far apart and we don't agree in one aspect of it. How much of it of like, you could even say like the Penn state soccer thing. Like when you are trying to achieve something and you're trying to do something on such an elite level, um, there, there is no, like you, like you have a, what's the, how do I want to say this? There is no, you don't have choices. Like, like choice is an illusion. Like, it's Mm -hmm. almost like if your son's like, mom, I want to go to the NFL. It's like, okay, well, you're going to have to do really special things and have a very, like, special discipline to get there on top of obviously having the natural size, speed, talent, all that. Yeah. One thing that I can't seem to understand is why people don't understand that. And they think that, like, they can just, they have this illusion of choice of like, oh, I can do whatever I want. And I, and as long as I just do like, if I just work out and I do X, Y, Z, like it should just come to me. And mm-hmm. um, how we were talking about like the buzzwords of trauma, mental health, all those things. I feel like there's like a misconception of like, like, um, how, like people say like hustle culture or like you shouldn't be being mm. overworked or doing all these things. How much like emphasis or reorganization around the conversation do you think that there should be of being like, okay, if you want to open your, if you want to open your practice one day, you're, you know, you're a single mom, you're raising a kid right now, your time is very constricted. So you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things that you would love to do. But if that's really what you want to achieve, that's what you're going to have to sacrifice. And I think that like sports has taught me that, but I don't know how you didn't play sports or if you're not exposed to that environment, how you can understand that. And it's not, it's not easy. That's why a lot of people don't do it. And that's why the higher up you get, the like thinner and thinner it gets. Um, How do you have those? If you've ever had those, how do you have those conversations with people um, so that they can still keep their per se mental health and everything intact without like losing themselves in that process? 
I think one of the biggest misconceptions is just like ignorance or lack of education on the topic. So when we like, just because we, we keep talking about sports, when you look at sports, when you look at someone in the NFL, you see those highlights, you see the glory moments, but you don't see the, the years and years of hard work or the amount of gas money that a mom spent to take their kids from tournament to tournament just to get them seen. Or, you know, the, like, I just think about right now, like, if let's just say Emery, Emery makes it into the NFL. People have no idea how much time it takes. He's been training since he was, you know, eight. He, I spend so much money on trainers, on leagues, on equipment. It's the time that you put into it. So it's not just a two hour practice. It's getting to practice 30 minutes early to get set up, to get warmed up. And then it's driving to practice. So that's another 20 minutes. So we're looking at a three and a half hour ordeal every day until he makes it right. That's not just a commitment for him. That's a commitment for me. That's a commitment for his dad. There are so many, like, like, let's just look at achievement as like a tree. And this is what I tell my kids all the time. There are so many branches that are going to come off this tree. There are so many road bumps. There are so many things that are going to happen. But I think a lot of it comes down to that, that belief in yourself. Like, so we talk about manifestation. So one of the, um, the things that I struggled with this year was my son breaking his foot. And I just kind of gave it up to the universe. And I was like, look, I am here to get him through whatever you like there, whatever's going on. I'm here. Like, let me just be a vessel like for him. Right. And so it all ended up working itself out. But at that point that I said that it was like, there's going to have to be sacrifices that are made. Like, and we're only talking about his seventh grade season. Like this is, this is nothing major, but it was like, holy shit. Like if those dreams that he had has need to come true, like this, this is a roadblock for him, right? This is like one of those branches on his tree. It's almost like crumbling off and dying. Right. So like now we need to build another branch. We need to build more skills. We need to strengthen that, but we need to, you know, work with your coaches and make sure that we stay on everybody's good side because it is political and there's so much shit that goes into it. And it's like, to achieve those higher level things. So that's just like a very like minor example, right? Like I'm talking about a 12 year old boy, but to achieve those higher level things, like getting into college for a lot of my kids at school, like when I work, when I go out and work out in like the boonies, it's, well, no one's ever gone to college. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to do this, but I know it's what I really want. So then it's like, okay, well, we start getting the applications out. We start doing this. We start having to put in work. You start having to write essays. You start having to give like these mission statements and it's, it's 30 bucks here and it's 30 bucks there. And it's like, there are, it's, it's the sacrifice thing, but it's um, how bad do you really want it? So I think that like, sometimes there's not choices, but I do believe that there's always a choice. Like, um, for example, one of my kids the other day, I, 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 the application process is just immediately on my mind. I don't have money to pay for the application. What can I do? So now you have to become resourceful and put more branches on your tree. It's like call Mm -hmm. the college, see if they have options to waive the application fee for a low income family or, Hey, like, can we talk to another member of your family? Maybe mom and dad don't have the money, but is grandma willing to give it to you or something like that? How about the Mm -hmm. school? Can the school reach out to the college? It's like teaching these people to be resourceful and, and, um, and get to those goals, believing that they can get to those goals is, is the, I think it's the trick. Um, I think it's, it's the, it's the magic trick that I have to pull out of my hat a lot of the times because yeah, to a certain extent at this elite level that we're talking about with sports, I go back to this. It's like, 
you know, we were talking to one of the high school coaches the other day and he said he had sent a text to my son and he was like, Hey, have a great game. Like, we can't wait to see you back. Like it, it, you know, on and on and on. Well, a week prior, he was telling us he had a conversation with his, you know, the parents keep coming and they, they want to achieve these dreams for their kids. And they keep trying to have these conversations and on and on and on. And um, he's like, listen, if your kid's not over six foot, don't even approach me. He's like, I don't want, like, there's no D one dreams for anyone under six foot. He's like Kyler Murray and like maybe a couple other people like running backs, like anybody else don't even talk to me. And so he's like, that was really hard. And I'm sure I crushed a couple dreams there, but like you do, I mean, you have to make good choices. You have to be resourceful. You have to be efficient. You have to be determined. And, but you also have to be realistic. Like, what are your dreams? Do you want to be like, so we talk about, you know, your ambition and things like that. Do you want to be like, what, I don't know. Do you want to be the next Donald Trump or Barack Obama? Do you want to be the next president? Do you want to be the next Ashton Kutcher? Do you want to be the next? I, I, I don't know. Whatever your whatever your dreams are. A lot of people also like want these things, but they have no vision to get there. Right. So, oh God, it's such a multifaceted thing. Um, what, I'm not okay. even. I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I answered your question. But no, you you did you did to a certain point. I was like when I said the. Um, um, I, I said when I was talking about the illusion of choice, I was only talking about it on an elite level. Um, oh, okay, because okay. yeah, because if like, for example, like you're not, you can't just go, like, you can't just go to practice and think that's enough. Yeah. That's all I meant. That's all I meant there. Um, but what you're saying about the vision, right? How that's actually something I, um, something I struggle with a lot is that like, I have the vision, but it's more so of like, where does that like vision come from? For me, like it comes from like, I'm very like, I'm very observant of things. Like I, I've, I'm very good at like naturally seeing how things work and how things progress and uh-huh. being able to see like what someone is doing and how like that can be, be implemented. Whereas like, I feel like, um, so, but I also think it's because like social media didn't really become a thing until geez, like, I want to say, like, I was a sophomore, junior in college, per se. Uh-huh. Um, like, I I remember, like, the like junior, senior year of high school, like, Facebook was just starting to get big. I didn't even really get Snapchat until, like, I was almost a sophomore in college. And then Instagram didn't really become Instagram with, like, what it is until probably, like, sophomore, junior year. So I was already, like, almost in a way, like, fully, de- I don't want to say fully developed, but I had, like, I was in my, I was in my early 20s, let's say. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I wasn't young, whereas... Nowadays, there is just so much content and just everything you see is finished products. So people don't, and that's part of the reason why I started this podcast is like people don't see the behind the scenes things and they don't see like how like a a vision came about or how things came about. Um, Like, so like I'm very big in watching like, um, like Kanye West's Netflix documentary or like seeing how Steve Jobs built Apple or seeing how like um you know you can go on youtube and you can type in like the evolution of so-and-so and and, like you can see all these things and like hear these stories about how you know you know drake wasn't really doing much and then he bumped into little wayne and little wayne saw the talent he had and little wayne believed in him and like obviously you see what drake is now and like Mm -hmm. it takes but like what i'm always like something that always like bugs me is that like how people that don't have that vision for themselves they're the ones that are always say, telling like the youth and the kids that aren't fully developed to be like yo that's not going to happen you're not this you're not that like i had um 
one of uh, this lady that I work with, we were talking about, um, we were talking about her son and I was just like, um, you know, is your son, like, does your son want to play college lacrosse? Like I know a lot of coaches and I could, you know, kind of reach out to them and just say, Hey, she's like, she's like, no, he's in sixth grade. He's not that athletic, but like, he does love it. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, I didn't start playing lacrosse till I was in eighth grade. (laughs) Like how the fuck do you know? Yeah. How the fuck do you know? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I, is there a way, like, do you think that like, we can kind of like, how do you, how do you teach vision? Cause like, I don't understand, like, I don't understand where mine comes from. I yeah. just more so of like, I have thoughts and ideas in my head. And when thoughts and ideas pop up, I need like an overwhelmingly, I need an over, an overload of information that just points to that not being right. Like almost to the point where, and I know this is going to sound crazy, like if you set a racial slur to someone, it, you immediately know like, okay, yo, you're way out of bounds. That ain't, that is not polite. That is not correct. And that's disgusting. I need that much information to deter me from what I think in my head about what I want to go and. Ch- yeah. I know if that makes sense, but it's also because like we were touching on earlier, like my mom had me at 17 and she pretty much had to go against the grain for everything. But she was also like, yo, I'm not going to be one of those moms that's on welfare not that that it's a bad thing she was just like i'm not gonna let someone control my destiny so growing up that always being instilled in me that's why i am the way i am because i've always just like oh you guys are all full of shit you guys don't know how to believe in your own self so like have fun with that Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go do me look at you it's like we just had a therapy session and you figured out who you are no I... no no no. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no i'm no. just kidding i'm just asking so... from like a kid's standpoint like because yeah, yeah, kids yeah. are very kids are very malle- malleable in the sense that like you could be having a bad day and you could be like not that you ever would you could tell your son be like look you're n- you're not going to the nfl like because he maybe pissed you off because he didn't do something and then that kid right. takes it to heart because he doesn't have the mental like uh he doesn't have that mental like uh capacity to really understand like mom's just pissed yeah yeah so i think oh man the, i think i must have been super similar to your mom in that sense we always have very like w- him and i have open lines of communication and when i'm wrong i apologize and i think that's super important i think a lot of parents and a lot of adults who Um, work with kids they feel like they don't owe children an apology and I think sometimes we forget like we can be nasty and we can be kind of brutal with these kids and um you know they might push us there and that's okay and they will forgive us but they do need to see that it's okay to be wrong like and, and and admit that and so I think um there's a component of that there I think when when you talk about working with kids we have these indicators so um they're called the 40 developmental assets and it's this list of like characteristics or relationships or um constructs in a child's life that are either present or not present if they are present statistically we know that later on in life those children will be set up for success later in the future some of those things look like having at least one trustworthy adult in the house having um dinner with your family one time is the child resilient one time a week is the child resilient has the child built up character traits like determination or trustworthiness or um, do they have refusal skills has a child built up like for you in your head you have those refusal skills like hey I refuse to let you deter me from what I want. You're not going to deter me from my goal. A lot of kids don't have that. That's something that was probably maybe easier for you to come by. I, I don't know what your process was for that. But if we're talking about how do we how do we put vision into kids, it's just letting them be them. It's not putting those roadblocks in their way to prevent that. It's not, you know, putting their dreams down. It's 
It's not um, making them feel confined. It's not, um, you know, having a bad day is one thing, but saying, hey, like, you know, I was having a bad day. This is still what I want for you. And, you know, whether you go to the end, like, let's talk about the NFL example, because I think that's so huge. A lot of teachers, especially that I see like, oh, you're going to the NFL, aren't you, buddy? So many comments get slung around like that. I have this conversation with my son all the time. Like, let's have a backup plan. If the, Every 12-year-old boy wants to go to the NFL. Whether they play football right now or not, they all want to because that's cool, right? And so let's have a backup plan. Okay, the NFL doesn't work. What are we doing next? Well, I'm going to go – my son says, I'm going to the NBA. Okay, well, what if the NBA doesn't work? Let's have, like, a plan A, B, and C, right, just in case. Mm-hmm. And so, like, hey, I believe in you, and I'm going to help you get there. But, like, just in case, let's, let's have something else lined up. And so um, I'll fully support his dreams, but I also – that that – that trusting adult, like, Hey, they're going to, they're going to let me be me and they're going to let me figure it out. And if, and if I fail, they're going to be there for me. You know what I mean? I can't pick up the pieces for you, but I can help. And so I think putting vision in kids, I think a lot of it is like who that child is destined to be. I think a lot of, a lot of us were like, we just have these innate character traits in us. Right. And, and that's who we are. But I think a lot of it can be built too. It can be built, um, you know, by the friendships that people have. I think a lot of kids end up being a product of their environment too. A lot of adults for that matter. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like we look at like, I I don't want to get on the addiction tangent because I know we're talking about vision and we're talking about that. But if we look at addiction, addiction is one thing that does not discriminate. You can, you can look at any given person, look at their upbringing, look at their character traits, and maybe they are just a product of their environment. Maybe they just got in with the wrong crowd and they tried something one wrong time and their brain just happened to like it. Because that's really what addiction is at the end of the day. Let's be real. Nobody wakes up and is like, hey, I want to do heroin today. It's usually a progression and it's usually um, peer pressure. It's usually uh, an environmental thing. And so when when we look at like, how do we create these people? Sometimes it's, it's not really created. Sometimes it really is just what has been put in front of you. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of people like to have this, this argument is addiction a choice. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to have that argument. I'm just saying sometimes it's not as clean, clear cut as we like to make it out to be, you know? No, exactly. Yeah. I always, I'm always like curious in that way. Cause I was actually, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers was on Joe Rogan's podcast and Joe Rogan, I saw. And he was tell- yeah. yeah. And he was telling Joe Rogan that, um, long story short, he had a teacher that, you know, he felt as though graded it, basically the teacher allowed everyone to have a rewrite on the paper, but didn't allow him to. And he went to the teacher and was just like, Hey, I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not even asking for you to rewrite, like allow me to rewrite the paper. I'm just trying to understand like, how come I didn't get it? And the teacher basically went off on him and was like, you know, you football players, you athletes are so entitled. You think this and that, like, you, you know, you need your education. And he goes, yeah, I understand that, but not really. And he's like, I'm going to the NFL. And she like told him, she's like, no way in hell. And wow. he said that he was just like, okay. And obviously you see Aaron Rod- He's aside from Tom Brady, he's arguably the best ever. Um, in terms of at least talent wise, because obviously he doesn't have the rings to be in the same conversation as Brady, but, um, and he was talking about it and Joe Rogan said that Joe Rogan's like, how crazy is it that like, that is who's a people like that. We're given a lady like that who might have just been, you know, something about him or something about athletes. Like you were saying back to the, the trauma thing had like his triggered anger in her and now she's Mm -hmm. expressing that outlet in a kid or a student 
had he not have that mental fortitude to be like, okay, yeah, watch me. Cause that's what he said. He said that I looked her sure in the face. I smirked and I said, okay, watch me. Um, and so I'm always fascinated by like, like someone wants to tell me something. All right, cool. Like I get why you're saying it, but I also at the same time understand that there's other people that look to that person as almost like a, a form of validation or a form of like helping them get there mentally. And when mm-hmm. that shatters, it shatters that person. Yeah. 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 Depending on your level of resiliency, it's something that I talk about with my kids all the time. So I think, uh, yeah, man, building up kids to be strong, resilient humans is freaking hard. And, and I think I would be interested to see Aaron Rodgers has good parents, right? Is I think, um, I'm not sure. I don't think he talks to his family, but I could be wrong. Yeah. He's kind of gone off the rails lately, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to see like what his childhood was like, because I know it's like, I don't need to keep beating a dead horse, but so much of who we are comes from who we were when we were kids. It's like, and of course you can adapt and change and, and you can, I mean, you can change who you are entirely, but so much of what is truly deep down inside of us comes from who we are as kids. So I would be interested to see, like, maybe his parents were like, yeah, you got it, buddy. Like we support you a hundred percent, you know? And so to that teacher, it was like, I don't care. I don't care what you have to say. My mom and dad believe in me. Like he had someone somewhere, a coach, a parent, someone somewhere made him believe that he had it wholeheartedly. And how, uh, what about the flip side of that? Cause I have some friends and when they listen to this, they know exactly who they are. I'm not saying their name and they won't even be offended by this cause they admit to it. Uh-huh. Their parents did such a job of building their self-esteem and putting them on a pedestal that now they are almost in a way entitled and they feel as though oh, that yeah. like they should just, they're not, not in a way where they like, th- like they think they're better than, which if you're successful, you have to think you're better than others. That's just like, but the way you express it, of course, doesn't have to be so like dickish, but yeah. like, um, it's almost like they in a way are like entitled and they think they should just deserve success because their parents were always telling them that they were the best. But then when they get in the real world, they get hit with that reality check. And it's almost like a struggle of like, how do I, because they've always been told that like what you're doing is good enough. Whereas mm-hmm. like on the flip side of it, um, do you ever see that Kanye West rant when he was on, I forget what he's had so many of them, but it was when he was wearing the blue, he was in a blue shirt. And I, I want to say it was one of the late night shows. It could have been uh, Jimmy Kimmel or one of those. And he was basically saying like, you know, my mom made me believe in me. I'm not going to be controlled by self-esteem or what society thinks I'm going to do me. And you ain't going to bully me or come yes. see me like something like that. You, okay. You know exactly what I'm talking he about. He said yeah. that a hundred times. Yeah. He talks yes. about his mom all the time. Yes. So I'm the same way. Like, I think like when I saw that speech, I was like, holy shit, like, that's exactly how I think. But at the same time, I also think that I'm not better than anyone. And I think that it's more so of like, fuck, I got to really like, I got to like, I believe in me, but I got, I got to really work for it. And I got to outwork and I got to outsmart people. And I got to be, I got to be the nicest person in the world because if I'm all those things, but I'm not nice and genuine, no one's going to fuck with me. So Mm -hmm. like, again, back to your psychology, what um what what is it that like creates from your perspective the things you've seen like what what is those things that like when you're raising your boy and you're putting all those things in your boy you kind of like draw the line of like you can it's like up to it but then you're like so don't do this if that makes sense or if i ask that properly 
Yeah, I think it's got to be learned behaviors, too. Like, I can harp on him all I want. Just, like, let's be honest. If Kanye's West mom was alive, if Jonda was alive, she would not be having any of this business. Like, he, he has gone... He has gone a little bit off the rails. I am a massive Kanye West fan. I, I'm not knocking him at all. However, he has oh, now, love the guy. He has now crossed the line into, um, it, let, let's face it, he's got a god complex, right? So he's a very extreme case. We don't Without have to compare. Doubt. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, we don't have to compare. But um, like when I'm talking about my kids or when I'm talking about even my own son, I think you have to give them both perspectives, I think. And letting them learn those lessons on their own is um, super important. I think that that's why school is so important. I think that that's why sports are so important. I think that that's why clubs are so important. Again, back to those 40 developmental assets. When we look at someone who was involved in at least one extracurricular activity, they end up having those character traits that lead you to success at a higher rate, right? Like, so if we survey them and we say, do you think you have these things? Yes, 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 yes. Because we can look at their past, right? When, when people are saying no, 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 it's typically because they weren't involved with anything. They didn't have anyone. They didn't do those things. Right. So I think that learned lessons and learned behaviors are super important when it comes to um, having confidence in yourself, but not to the point of entitlement. Right. Um, those are lessons that I don't know that I could teach alone as a mom. Those are things that like, he has to go to school. You got an F on a paper. Yes, you are smart. You are in, you know, gifted classes and that's great, but you didn't earn anything. You're not entitled to an A, right? You didn't earn it. So the talent might be there. The skill might be there, but you didn't earn it. And now you're in trouble at home because you got an F and there's like cascading effects because of that. So a lot of those things, they always say it takes a village. It really does take a village. And for some people, it goes wrong. And they end up very entitled. And they end up with their nose in the air. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, I, I guess if we're trying to if we're trying to mold a well-rounded person and we're trying to understand why people are the way they are, maybe it's because they either did or didn't learn those lessons. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. What are some things, wrapping up here, what are some things that um, as a single mother raising him necessarily i don't i'm i'm saying it this way because this is how i would look at my childhood per se Mm -hmm. raising him as a single mother with no father figure what are some things that you really have to harp and teach him that would come from that father role but you have to do yourself because like my mom was both but she was also she was the yin and the yang like she was like I joke about it, like she was she was hard on me when she needed to be, but at the same time she was also that mother that would give unconditional love. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I'm pretty lucky. His dad is like very involved in his life, and he does oh, okay. all. Yeah, yep. So he does all the hard things that I don't have to do. I will say the older that he gets, this is the hardest part though. And I give serious props to your mom, raising a child and um. Having them notice the important things doesn't come for a very long time. Just this Mother's Day. Um, so there was a point in in my like mothering career, I guess for lack of a better term, where I was like, oh, my, my child prefers his father and he doesn't really like me and um, he has more fun there and I'm just the big meanie and I am like all of these things, right? And I was like, I am just like failing. And I got this card from him and he's 12 now so he can he can write and he can form sentences and he's he's articulate and all of those things and 
I got this card and he has like five paragraphs written in there to me. And he is like, um, I know I can be a pain, but I see what you're doing. I see the late nights. Like I said, I'm in grad school. He goes, I see every night when you put me to bed, I know you're working for another four hours on school. I know you work all day long. I know you get me to practice. I know you. And he like had this list of like all of these things that I was like, he just doesn't even understand how hard I work. Like, and I don't do it for accolades. I don't do it for, for the recognition. I do it because I know it's going to give me what I want. It's going to give him a better life. It's going to, it's just going to, it's, it's, like I'm determined to have a very successful life and that would be me with or without him. But for him to acknowledge those things, that is something that his father couldn't give him because his father and I are very different. And so Mm -hmm. when we talk about things that I have to do, I have to show him like the, the grit and the determination and the resiliency and let's get through it and let's figure it out. Not that his dad couldn't do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him. I'm just saying, um, yeah, that is, that is something that I have had to like take the reins on because if it was up to, you know, his dad, it would just be like, you know, you live life life and you're complacent and you have a job and you work it for a really long time. And then that's that. And it's just like, this can go into so many things in life, into sports, into your career, into your relationships, into your, you know, everything. It's like, if you want something more, you have to do something more. And I was like, he just, he's never going to get it. I'm doing a really bad job at showing him. And and it turns out I'm not, I mean, he sees it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's where I stand on that one. It's, it's, I don't know. It's hard, John. I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm not tired. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel you. I feel you. It's tough. Yeah. Um, what has, uh, I'm going to ask a couple more questions here. So since obviously, you know, having your son and everything that you've done and stuff like that, what, what, what about that has changed your perspective on life and what have you learned about yourself that you firmly believe had you not had your son, you never would have had that perspective. Mm. I have like tried to have this conversation with myself a couple different times, but I don't, I don't know because I took care of my younger brother when we were kids, like, you know, okay, everything. And so I almost was like a mother figure basically like my whole life. So I learned that not being selfish is a way of life. And it's something that I would always have to, um, to just accept one of the things that I am nervous for in the future, uh, like maybe on the flip side of your question is not something that it's taught me about myself. I knew I was always capable of these things, but something that it has taught me I'm going to have to do is make choices for myself. Um, I would have gone to school and here's, here's the thing. I would have gone to college. I would have gone to grad school. I would have funneled myself into an amazing career and done all of those things because that's who I am. But if we're talking about like, what does Teresa want to do on a Thursday night when there's no football practice, there's no basketball practice, when there's nothing to do, when there's no one at home, where does Teresa want to live? What do I really even want to do with my career? In the last five years, I've been like, oh, I want to be a business owner. I want to open a gym. I want to, you know, I want to like, like with you, I want to start a podcast. I want to do all these things. And everyone's always in my ear saying, Teresa, you could do all of these things. And it's just like, I think I play it safe because I have a child. And so on the flip side of your question, not what has it taught me about myself, but it's setting me up for what I'm going to learn about myself in the future, if that makes sense. 
No, that that makes complete sense. Which we, yeah. <laughs> if we if we had more time, we could talk for another like almost hour just on that. Oh yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And then two more final questions for you. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years if everything <laughs> goes in five years if everything goes according to plan? Yeah. Eleventh, uh, twelfth. Oh man! So my my son will be graduating high school. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I'm talking about, John. I said I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting you on the spot. I yeah. know you said you don't know, but I just want to I, put you on the spot like that. I don't. You know, I'd love to either own a business or um, be running somebody else's business or, or something. Uh, you know, my biggest dream in life has always been to, uh, it's never been, oh, I want to have this career. I want to do that. My dream is having a big giant house where I can entertain the people that I love and just have a, have a space that I'm comfortable with and be at home with like my person and my kid and maybe more like, obviously not in five years, but maybe I have more kids one day. That is my dream. In five years, I would like to be on my way to that dream. Right now, it just feels like I'm still, I'm still kind of running in place. I'm still putting in the, in the legwork to get there. It doesn't feel like I'm there yet or even ready to be there. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. So in five years, I'll be graduated from grad school. My boy will be graduating uh, high school. Hopefully I make, you know, I'm making a bunch of college visits to watch, to watch football games. And hopefully I'm just happy. And, and that sounds so cliche, but God, sometimes life is just so dang stressful and I think that that's why I try to find solutions with with kids in school and I try to understand psychology and trauma and all of these things and and manifestation and in five years I want to have peace of mind that's what I want peace of mind financially and and with my boy I don't I don't I don't really want anything else I guess okay and then I know I said two but I'm throwing one in there what Mm -hmm. is what is one thing that you are currently manifesting in your life, but there's no timetable on it. So it could be, it could come in five years. It could come next year. It could come in 10 years. It doesn't matter. What is that one mega thing? That house. I want a massive house with a big old backyard and a pool. And I want, like, I have it, I have it all mapped out. And I just, I, I just, I want that house. I want to entertain. I want the people that I love to be around me all the time. That's really what I want. And I, I don't know when it's going to come, but it's going to come. Absolutely. And then the final question, I usually, when I ask people, I say 18, but with you, because of the circumstances, I'm going to say 15. If yeah. you could meet right this second, if you could meet and have a conversation with 15 year old Teresa, what things would you tell her? Oh boy. I would tell her to calm down in like, um, in that regard, life has always been chaotic. And so it's gonna, it, I believe that life is just a series of energies and I think everything is energy. And if we look at it that way, it's going to come and go in waves. Right. And so, um, this chapter is going to close and, and it's going to be okay sooner or later. Right. Like weather the storm. Um, I think I was so so caught up in in so many details that just don't even matter now you know 23 years mm-hmm. later yeah or 13 years later uh so calm down and I would just hmm 
I, I don't know. God, that's a loaded question. Um, I don't know, because one of the things about myself, I've always liked, I've always liked my mindset. I've always liked who I was. I, I don't, I don't know. I think for right now, I would just say, calm down, calm down. It's just a chapter. The chapter is, you're going to move on to the next chapter soon. And I think that's where we end it. Speaking of chapters, yeah. here's the end of the chapter. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I greatly appreciate you doing this. It, uh, than you think, you know, cause, uh, yeah, man, I believe in you. I think that this is a great, I believe that this is a great thing. I think, I think well, you're a good I mean, person to do it too. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm mainly appreciative of people's time because that like, to me, not to sound like one of those cliche people, but I think that's like the most important is their own time. You know, give me yeah. as time as you've given me, I greatly appreciate it. So mm-hmm. I kind of knew that this was going to happen and I, uh, that's why, like, I kept having to, like, wiggle times around or, like, I know I gave you the runaround a couple times. I really t- – I wanted to do it. I was just always kind of like, oh, man, the time. I need time. No, and it's funny, too. You didn't say it, but everyone that – I a lot of people that I asked, they're always like, I don't even know what I would talk about. I'm like, yo, just just shoot me your email. Trust me. You're going to feel as though you can only talk for 10 minutes up and an hour and a half is going to pass. Oh, yeah, I knew I would not shut up. So No, but that's are. good, though. That's good. <laughs> I can find me, so – but uh, yeah, we'll do in uh, maybe in a few months or something down the road. We'll do another one again once you know I want to do schedules and stuff like that. If that's something you're interested for. Would love to do it again. So yeah, for sure. I think um, I'm super. Actually, I, I'm. I would be super excited about that. Just to kind of, dude, it wouldn't it be so cool if your podcast like just followed people like every every other year or something like that and new perspectives what has changed even if it's just like an episode of like 10 minute clips of like each person that you kind of talk to like let's bring it all back around like what have we learned you know yeah i'm kind of i'm gonna give you a call when we finish you're kind of like uh exposing what i'm trying to do <laughs> oh shit we're still on the recording okay great <laughs> all right well on that we're gonna end it thank, thank you very much <laughs> cool thanks bye